0: very appropriate that we give the lord a blessing amen when he answers for prayer it's appropriate that we take the time to say thank you we do that for everybody else right i mean it's only polite we've been told all along to say thank you when people does something people do something nice for us and it's appropriate that we say thank you jesus amen and we can even thank jesus for prayers that haven't been answered yet do you know that that's called faith And so for all those prayers that we prayed for today, you know, I'm so thankful that we take the time and that you're willing to take the time and that we don't rush through this because I don't know any other place in my week and probably your busy week around your job schedules that people do this, that we take the time to pray. Lift each other's burdens. That's what church is about. That's what people miss when they have church in the woods. Now, I know that God's in the woods and he's on the boats and he's on the beaches. I know that. But most of the time, praying people aren't. (laughs) Most of the time, they're by themselves. And there's power in the time that we come together and pray. The, The word says when two or three are gathered together, I am in their midst, right? And that's what we do. That's why church... You know, it is Jesus' idea, just so you know. It wasn't Peter's idea. Peter didn't come to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, let's build a church. And I'll be the first one to lead it. Now, Peter probably would have said that, but it wasn't Peter's idea. Jesus said, I will build my church. And you, Peter, will be the rock or the little stone amongst other little stones that will build the church. But it's Jesus' idea. That's why we're here. And that's why we have church. Amen? Amen. So today, we are going to... um, Oh, before I do that, let me just give another little report. We prayed, I think it was last week, actually, for my friend Joshua in India. And uh, I talked to him this morning. And uh, he had a, a great ministry outreach into the bush of India they were safe, they went in, they ministered to uh, 50-some families, very, very poor, um, but they were able to give the gospel message, and uh, he just wanted to say thank you to this church for b- praying for them, believing for them. We're still continuing to pray that we can raise money to help them put a roof on their building. They need $3,500. We have some already given, pledged towards that, and we're going to continue to do that. We really want to help them. So if the Lord places on your heart um, the burden to give out of your abundance or even out of your need, I promise you that you cannot out out outgive God. I promise you that if you do that, that he will bring other blessings into your life because you're obedient and listening to God's word to give. We should live to give, right? I had coffee with a gentleman yesterday and that's that's the message that their church preaches downstate. Live to give. Wow, what a I wish I would have said that. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. But we do, we live to give. Amen. Amen. So today we are beginning a new study. We finished up the book of Jude and we're we're picking up a new study today and I believe it's going to be focusing on the parables of Jesus. But to start with, I went back to Matthew chapter five and we're going to start with going through the beatitudes and um, we're going to understand what Jesus was talking about to this group of potential new believers, because we have to recognize that in the sermon of the Mount, Jesus wasn't talking to mature believers. Because this was early in the ministry of Jesus. And so he's now describing to the people what it's going to look like when you believe how you're going to live. And so the whole message of the Beatitudes really is the simple word, be attitude. How and what is my attitude to be? So we're speaking proactively to say, attitude, be this way. So be attitudes, okay? Now we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. But as I was studying this, the word blessed and blessings were repeated so often I had to stop and think about it. What does it mean to be blessed? What are God's blessings really supposed to be in my life? And so today, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to define God's blessings. What does it mean to be blessed? But let's read this passage together as we begin to establish our base point. So if you stand with me, would you read this with me? This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Jesus, for the teaching that you gave the people in that day and that it's so so amazing that it still is just as relevant today. It doesn't lose its power over 2,000 years. In fact, it even gets more powerful. It's more seasoned with things that have true meaning for us. So I pray, Father, that as we speak over the next few minutes about what it means to be blessed, that we would understand it and we would embrace it, and we could comprehend it, and most of all, that we could apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So today, we're going to go into detail on the meaning and applications of the word blessing as it's used throughout Scripture. The Bible is full of the blessings of God on his people. So from that, I can say that it's obvious that it's God's intention and desire to bless humanity. It's what he wants to do. It's a core focus of God's covenant with all of mankind. But what does the blessing really mean? What does it mean? So let's start at the basics. The biblical definition of blessing is multifaceted And actually, it takes a little bit of time to describe it. All right, so let's try. The Greek word for blessing is eulogia, eulogia. And it means a God-given gift causing our work to succeed. It also means that God's presence is with us. It also means that God is giving us strength, power, and help in our time of need. And finally, it means that God is working in and through us to do good. It's interesting to me that as I look at this definition, that most of the time, if not all the time, that it requires effort on my part to receive the blessing that a person must be willing to embrace it and receive it and actually do something as part of the blessing. God's blessing is intentional and deliberate. It's never by chance. It's not an accidental thing. God blesses intentionally, deliberately. And the person that he's blessing must be willing to participate in receiving the blessing and many times by faith because you don't necessarily see the blessing that God is giving us necessarily with our physical eyes. I also see that a person can walk out from underneath a blessing. God can give the blessing, but it's that person's responsibility to live in the life of the blessing. And then finally, I see blessings here that they may not always appear what we think it should be. Blessings may take a different form than maybe what we think a blessing is. And I think that's probably one of the most important things we'll take away from this. In all the cases, though, God's blessings serve as a guide and as a motivation for us to pursue a life living within the blessing. Because if we can walk out from underneath it we can. So it's this, so the blessing, it, it should give us a desire to see the benefit of the blessing and then to live under the blessing and not walk away from it, not walk into a life that would put us in a disqualification of receiving the blessing. So as we proceed in today's study, I'm praying that we're going to see what these definitions look like and how we could apply them. The word blessing or blessed is used In case you're a counter, (laughs) it's used over 600 times in the Bible. So it is a very commonly word, used word, and we use it a lot. I use the word blessing a lot, and probably you do too. So I think it's important that we understand this true definition. We see the very first part of creation. God brings blessings in at the very, very beginning of creation. Genesis chapter 1. Verses 27 and 28. It says that so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then, verse 8 God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God gave Adam and Eve everything they needed not just to survive but to thrive in this beautiful world that God created I mean it was God's intention that Adam and Eve would not just rule over the creation but they would enjoy it that they would have great great sense of being and a fulfillment in doing the things that God asked them to do and they're ruling over this creation and God blessed them in that if They would choose to remain in the blessing. We're going to come back to that in a minute because that's a big caveat. God also promises through his word that he's going to sustain us through his blessings, thus proving his presence with us. This is very important. Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 26 through 30 The writer says, I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. There's the word, a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them. And that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. One of the major parts of God's blessing is the promise of his presence that results in peace. That is something I think that this world is longing for. We long for peace, don't we? And so often we're running in circles trying to find peace and we're looking in the wrong places for it. Think about this for a minute. That when we're, under, when we're under God's blessing, that his promise of being in his presence, we experienced that this morning. We experienced what it feels like to be in the presence of God. And being in the presence of God always results in some type of emotion. It touches you. It moves you. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I challenge any person to grab a 120-volt outlet and not try to jump. But that's kind of like touching God's hand. It's kind of like his finger that would touch down. Remember, God created the world with a with a spoken word, lots of power, and he touches a person And I'm going to guarantee you that if God touches you in his presence, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. And in that feeling is peace. Because you know that something bigger than you has just touched you. I love that. Because if I have to depend upon myself, if I have to depend upon my own ability to bring peace into my broken world, I, I'm in a world of hurt. Or if I have to bring peace into your world, I can't do it. I mean, that big, staple easy button does not exist. It looks good on the commercial, which they don't show that anymore. Remember the old staple, you know, that big red button, Staples office supply used to have it, the, the, the reset button? It doesn't exist. I'm telling you, it doesn't exist. But God's peace does when you're in the presence of the Lord. We said this when we were in the book of Jude, that Jude promises us that there is an abundance of peace. That's what Jude said, that there is an abundance of peace and love and mercy. And we said this then, that peace in the middle of the storm is only possible if one has a relationship with he who is greater than the storm. In fact, it's impossible to have peace outside of having a growing relationship with God, the creator of peace. So blessing, presence, peace. Very important, they all come together. So now let's kind of turn the corner a little bit here. We must also understand that if there are blessings then there are also the opposite of blessings called curses, spoken of often in the Old Testament. So we need to talk about blessings versus curses. We need to speak about both. Because we see in the life and the history of the Israelites that, that God gave them the choice to live under blessings or to live under curses, depending on the choices that they made to either obey or disobey God. I said earlier that God promises blessings, that God's promised blessings are something that we can either live under or take ourselves out of. It's our choice. The power of choice here is very, very important when it comes to God's blessings. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28, God speaking to the Israelites, he's saying, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, the curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods, which you have not yet known. Okay, so we see God working here in the life of the nation of Israel to give them a choice to either walk under blessings or to walk with curses on their lives as they make the choice to either obey or disobey God's commands. Remember, remember, it's God's will to bless, it's God's desire to bless us with good things. But curses come as a result of man's choices to walk out from under the blessings of God. We can learn a whole bunch of stuff here, if we would, by looking at the bad choices Israel made and the, the and the consequences thereof. I don't have the time today, but I would encourage you to go back and read Deuteronomy's chapter 27 and 28. Read through those two chapters. And it'll give you a thorough understanding of God's blessings and God's curses. So use that as homework today. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 28. But let me highlight just a couple of them, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first two verses says this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then God went ahead and gave them a long list of blessings in the next 14 verses. So now skip down to verse 28. It says, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. So we can deduct from this that God's blessings are conditional on our obedience. God's blessings are conditional on our obedience. Now let's not confuse God's love and God's blessings. Let's not confuse these because God's love is unconditional. God loves you unconditionally, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. His love for you never changes. However, God's blessings are conditional. God's blessings are conditional. We just read it. How can you argue that fact? What we just read in Deuteronomy, chapter 28, in those first 15 verses, God says, I will bless you if you obey me, and I will curse you if you disobey me. So obviously, God's blessings are conditional. Okay, so what does the New Testament look like in terms of God's blessings? Well, the parallels between the Old and New Testament usage of blessings are very similar, yet they're a little different in their focus. The Old Testament focuses more on the physical safety and the material prosperity of the people. More of a physical thing. A survival thing. Whereas the New Testament, however, emphasizes emphasizes is more on the spiritual rather than on the material blessings. The New Covenant is more a spiritual covering than a physical covering. In the book of Acts, we see Peter summarizing the work of Jesus Christ by saying that God sent him first to the Jews to bless them by turning them from their wicked ways. Okay, this is New Testament verbiage now. Acts chapter 3, verses 25-26, through 26, Peter said this in his message that he gave. He said, For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent them first to you people, the Jewish people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. So Peter is is tying the work of God in the Old Testament through the promises of Abraham to the New Testament through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, understand this, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He fulfills every promise that God gave. Jesus fulfills it in the life, death, and resurrection of who Jesus Christ was. That brings the blessings of God to the New Testament in a different fashion, in a spiritual light. So through the act of accepting Jesus as Savior and then making him Lord, we do that by turning our back on the sinful lifestyle that Jesus died for. He died for us. That's why we had communion today. He died for us so that we would not have to live in our sin. And that is where God then is bringing us a blessing through the power of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? How it's transitioned from a material prosperity physically to a spiritual prosperity through the blood of jesus and that jesus came to fulfill the old testament so what about the conditions then of god's blessing in the new testament what do they look like in the old testament we saw in deuteronomy that god's blessings were conditional based upon the obedience of the people so the question i have is do god's conditions still apply today in the new testament As I said, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. But that doesn't do away with the conditional element of God's blessings and curses when we disobey God's laws or obey God's laws. Jesus fulfilled it, but he didn't do away with it. He just made it real spiritually to us. God's character is identified through his laws who God is. His moral character is identified through his morality of his laws and his righteousness. And those laws are unchanging. They do not change with the season. They do not change with the times that we live in. God's moral laws that he gave in the Ten Commandments and everything in the Old Testament, his moral laws are just as real today as they were then and they will never change. So even though the sacrificial system of the Old Testament by sacrificing animals for the blood and and using their blood to cover over the sins of man, Jesus came and became that once-for-all sacrifice that gives us mercy and grace to forgive and sustain us. So God's laws of morality and justice never change, but Jesus came to fulfill them for us. And we talked about that today. That was a good word picture that Greg gave about the def- about the judge and and the prosecutor and the defendant. Jesus is the defender. He paid the price. So in other words, God's blessings are still conditional on one's obedience to God's word. Let me just we get, we need to say that. All right, so now how how do we receive the Lord's blessings? Three things I want to talk about. There are three things we must always focus And depend on Jesus for his blessing in our ministry, work, and family. We must always focus and depend on Jesus, not myself, not my abilities. We focus on Christ. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, it says, And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our our faith. We fix our eyes on Christ. And through him alone can we then achieve the things that are necessary for God's blessing in our life. The New Living Translation says it this way, that we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So God is still expecting us to be involved in every aspect of our lives by focusing our eyes on Christ, not our own efforts as to how best to do what God has given us to do. Jesus is the answer for that. The second thing we must do is that we must actively love, trust, and the big word that we all struggle with is obey. That is the biggest issue with humanity is the pride of obedience or disobedience. We don't obey because we're prideful. We have a better way. We don't need to listen to the Bible is what our flesh man says. We can do it our way, and here's the reality. You can. That's your choice. It's your privilege. It's your prerogative. Yes, you can do it your way, but like I've said before, you you have power to control your choices, but you have no power over the consequences. In order to be blessed... Jesus is giving us a list on the, on the, on the Sermon of the Mount and the Beatitudes of the things that we need to do to how we actively relate our lives to loving, trusting, and obeying him. So number three then, we must remove, did I skip this? We must actively love, trust, and obey. Revelations chapter three, I'm sorry, chapter one. Revelation chapter 1, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. All right, and, and again, you could go through many, many scriptures in God's word where he says obedience is love, love is obedience, blessings come with obedience, all that. There's, that's just one, and that's in Revelation. That's one that we need to listen to. Number three. We must remove anything from our lives that would prevent or get in the way of God's blessing. See, we have a responsibility here, guys. We need to guard our lives. The Scripture is full of admonitions on how we are to live a a new life in Christ. Once we're saved from the life of sin, we can't go back to our old ways of living. We have to change. That's called grace. Grace. Grace doesn't just cover our sins, which it does, but it now it lives in us to empower us to desire to change into a new being, a new Christ creature. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and then skipping through 6 and 7, it says this, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Skipping down to verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So recognize that sin only gets in the way of God's blessings. We can't live in sin and still expect to live under the blessings of God. It just doesn't work. You can't willfully sin and still think that God is going to bless your life. It doesn't work that way, guys. It doesn't work. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Something that we have to recognize, too, is that God's blessing is not the same as earthly success, personal gain, or the absence of suffering in our lives. Know this. Let me say it again. God's blessing is not the same as earthly success, personal gain, or the absence of suffering in our lives. Revelations chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Jesus is writing through John the Revelator to the angels of the churches. And this is to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Write this These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions. Listen to this. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Wait, wait, wait. How can a person in poverty be rich? See, God doesn't measure, his blessings doesn't come by our pocketbook. Let's go on. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Wait, we're believers. What do you mean suffer? Come on, Jesus, give us a break. He says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days, but but be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Once again, blessings don't always appear what we think they should be according to the world's standards. And the Bible is full of that. You could turn to many places that will tell you that the faithful will suffer. We are given to have problems in this world, but Jesus says, don't fear not, I have overcome the world. So that's our, that's our position in Christ. My Bible commentary says this as we begin to wrap this up. He says, because a person appears successful and everything is going well, does not necessarily mean that he has God's approval. God's standards of wealth, success, and service are usually the complete opposite of human standards. Think about that for a minute. We see people all around us that are very successful but don't give God an ounce of time. How do you explain that? This is not my home, folks. This is not where I am securing all of my treasures. My treasures are in heaven. And I am storing up my treasures in heaven where rust nor moth will destroy, nor moth will get in and eat it away. God is a great rewarder of those that are faithful on earth. And as we live our life faithfully here, his blessings are promised to us, but not maybe in the way that we think they're going to come. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, it says, Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So does this mean that we have to be paupers? Does this mean that we really have to give up all our money and sell our homes and be homeless? Is this what this is saying? Maybe. But I'm going to put that on you. I'm not going to put it on you. But if God deals with you, you live to give. I am going to say, though, that we need to be challenged in our giving. How do we give? Why do we give? In what measure do we give? Jesus goes on to say in verse 36, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is where often we confuse our wants with our needs. God promises to meet our every need doesn 't He that if you're, if we 're a faithful giver tither, God says you will want for, you will want for nothing, you will have no needs that god won 't give provide for you, but He never ever promises to always fulfill my wants <laughs> because my wants are about me let me let me define a blessing a little simpler, a little more more simply that we can maybe help us with. Because this is really good for me. It helps me. So let's define a blessing from God in terms like this. A blessing is anything, anything, good or bad. A blessing is anything that turns my focus and attention on God and the things he desires for me. Because again, I said it before, this is not my home home. My home is in heaven, my eternal home. I'm putting my place there. I'm storing my treasures there. For where your treasures are there, your heart will be also. So a blessing then is anything that turns my focus and attention on God into things he desires of me. Now, let me give you an example real quickly because I know time is slipping by. Sometimes our blessings that we desire can turn into curses if we're not careful. Let's say that I have the ability to buy whatever I want to buy. I want to buy a new boat. I want to buy a cottage. I want to buy new golf clubs. That's personal to me. I want to buy a lot of things, all right? I'm not saying those things are bad at all. I'm not saying that. But if I'm not careful, those things can change my priorities in life so that they do become bad. We live in northern Michigan, and the summers are very short. In fact, my grandpa wrote a poem back in the 30s or 40s, June, July, and August. I wish I had it. I'd read it. June, July, and August. And the whole point is the church empties out in June, July, and August because everybody goes on vacation. I mean, the whole thing was about, Lori, you know the poem, the whole thing was about where do the people go in June, July, and August? <laughs> like God's gonna give us a bye in June, July, and August. But I'm saying, though, that all those blessings that we think are godly blessings can turn, a, can turn quickly into curses if I allow them to take my priorities off of the gospel or off of Jesus. I get a new boat, spend a lot of money on a new boat, and I have to invest, I have to use it. So it seems like every Sunday now, uh, and I'm working during the week, so my only day to play with it is Sunday, and oh, God doesn't care if I'm on my boat on Sunday or my cottage or whatever. And So again, I'm, I'm not trying to put guilt. I'm not trying to do anything here besides make the point that what God blesses us with, if we're not careful in how we use it, can turn into a curse for us because it can take care of, it it can change our whole focus. So that's why I say that a blessing is anything that turns my focus on Christ. Now, maybe that new boat will turn my focus on Christ. Amen, if it does. But something else that can turn my focus on Christ is a sickness. Maybe I lose a job. Maybe I've had someone die. Maybe I struggle in some areas of my life, and all of a sudden my focus goes on Christ. You know what? That curse just turned into a blessing because it put my eyes on Jesus. What the world would say, that's a curse, Mike. You've lost your job. Don't you feel bad about that? I said, yeah, I feel bad about it, but you know what? I, it's put my focus on Christ because now I depend on Him. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. So let's not confuse blessings and curses with goods with wants and needs. Let's be careful here. Jackie, would you come, please? Put on our parenting hat for a minute. We're all parents here. If your child, preschooler, comes to you and says, I want Snickers. And marshmallows for breakfast every day. <laughs> what do you do? Do you give in to Snickers and marshmallows? No, you give them scrambled eggs and you give them oatmeal. You say, "No, I, I know what you want," and maybe, maybe, maybe that's what grandpas do. <laughs> But as a dad, no. grandpas give muffles with lots of strawberries and whipped cream and ice cream. Don't you, Grandpa? Yeah, that's a Camp Gramp thing. But moms and dads can't do that on a regular diet. It's not good for them. Do you know how much God loves you? That he's willing to say no to you? No, Mike. That's not good for you. No. I'm not going to give you that. No. I'm going to allow you to go through that because I know that's going to make you stronger. I know that's going to increase your faith in me. It hurts It's not fun to say no to your children, is it? But it's necessary. And sometimes that's the way God proves his love for us the most, by saying no. What good is it for someone to gain the world, yet forfeit their soul? See, God's desire is to bless, but not just for the next few years of my life here on earth. He wants to bless me for eternity and the way I will have eternal blessings is when he says no to me sometimes and yes to me other times. And I need to learn to accept his yeses as a yes and no as a no and quit looking for a way around it. Dad said no, so go to mom. God said no, to go, so go to Jesus. The answer is still No. <laughs> Or the answer is still yes. He doesn't change because our wants change. So what is God's blessing to us? God's blessing is anything that focuses our eyes on Jesus, good or bad. And my answer is yes, that's what I want. I want to live under that blessing. So as we prepare next, the few, next few weeks to go through the Beatitudes, bring that definition of blessing with you. As you go through your life, bring that blessing into your life so maybe when the hard things come this week to you, you look at it and say, God, that's a blessing. Thank you. Blessed are those that are persecuted because they bring life into you at a deeper level that maybe something, a worldly perspective wouldn't be a deeper level. Does that make sense? I hope so. Because I think that God's blessings can be defined by whatever he desires to use to help me to be more productive in the kingdom, knowing that my productivity in the kingdom will be met with great eternal rewards. That is God's blessing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for a definition of blessing. I thank you, Lord, that we can be freed from the greed of this world. That we can be freed from thinking that we have to keep up with our neighbor to prove our blessings to the world. Our blessings are not what the world sees. And so I pray, Father, that you give us an understanding in our hearts to be able to receive some of the hard things in life as blessings. Because we go through hard times In our life, we go through sicknesses and diseases and letdowns. And I pray, God, that you would change our desires, that we would see peace in your presence that leads to blessings of God's word in us. Lord, this is not one of those messages that we just slip by and forget about. I pray, God, that this would come back and that we would regurgitate this later, that we would go back and read through the notes again. Go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28 and understand blessings and curses and and then understand, God, our, 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 our heart of obedience. Change us, Father. If we are fighting this, change us. I give you the authority to do this in my life and in the life of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? And let's sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing and just have a little worship here before we end today.
1: The soon is all like snow the sun.
0: Father, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your word today. And I pray as we go to our homes, we go to our place of living, God, that we will just be surrounded by your presence all day long today. That the peace of God will just prevail in our hearts today. That all the fear that we came in with maybe is just melted away like the snow. And we're just filled up with peace that comes from your presence So go with us today and shower us with your blessings and let us live under your blessings as maybe never before. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your truth. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Have a great day. Amen.